Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Wow, that was awesome. You know, uh, hello, it's good to be back here. I really do feel like this is home for us, for Melanie and I and the girls, because it was really uh, South Hills Costa Mesa that we fell in love with South Hills Church. Uh, we, we, we had been a part of many churches before, but when we came to this beautiful cafeteria in Dana Point, in, in uh, Newport Beach, uh, came in there and it was just a few people, they were celebrating their one year anniversary and didn't have all the bells and whistles that a lot of churches had but it had something very unique. It had an unbelievable heart, a realness, an authenticity that we just said, we gotta be a part of this. We wanna be, we wanna be in this. This is where God is calling us. And Pastor Chris, uh, your pastor, uh, played a really instrumental role in that. And so did as, you know, contrary to popular belief, Pastor Chris's last name is not Inez. I know when every time we talk about Chris Inez, Chris Inez, Chris Inez, it is not, it's actually Kretsu. But there's a reason why we put them together and that's because they're a phenomenal team. Chris and Ez are a phenomenal team, and they love you very much. So thank you for clapping for me. But he's going to check out this video. So let's clap for your pastor, Chris, right now. <laughs> Woo! That was for you, Chris. Love you, buddy. Okay, so we are in family month right now. And this has been great, great messages. But in family month, it's cool because you get a lot of cool little swag, right? You get a wristband. You get a stress ball thingy-dingy. Uh, you get masks, which is pretty cool. If you don't have one, you got South Hills masks. You know, I was, I'm not a big mask wearer. I have to admit they, they're uncomfortable, they're itchy. But there was one time where I kind of wish I had one. And this is, this is kind of a gross story. But so I'm, I'm, at, I'm at Fashion Island and there's this like uh, really kind of snotty, snooty lady. And she was reading her book. It was at the bookstore. And you could tell she was super fancy. Her hair was really fancy. And I'm there with my buddy, Brian. And I had to move a pastor. And I'm like, excuse me. And I'm trying to cut through her. And she like rolls her eyes like, oh, and she kind of keeps looking at her book. So Brian and I are screwing around and uh, he pushes me and I, I have to sneeze. So he pushes me away and I sneeze, but I sneeze right on her. So her hair was here and her hair actually moved from like the snot and the spray. So, so all that to say is you may want to wear this next time you're at Fashion Island and you see a fancy person. It's not a bad idea. Um, but, but it's been a great uh, month for us. It's been fun. We love Family Month. It's awesome. We've talked about things are caught and not taught. We talked about that. We talked about values are actionable. You know, we have to see it. Uh, also, today we're going to be talking about values are formed through relational connection, through relational connection. Now, you've heard an old saying before. It's not what you know, but... Who you know? That's right. Now, I'm going to admit something to you. This is confession time from Pastor James here. I am the world's worst driver. I am the worst driver ever. The girls ask, you know, are we going somewhere? You can mom drive. You're like, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible driver. And there's a good reason for that. When I was getting my license, uh, I had to do the, the driving school thing where the, the driving school instructor uh, had his little, like, steering wheel and brake and gas in, and I had my little steering wheel and brake gas. So uh, he's taking notes, and all of a sudden, I start honking, and he, like, he thought I hit something. He's like, what are you, what, what are you doing? 
I'm like, there, there was a girl right there and she waved and I was waving back at her. And he's like, do never ever do that again. Never, ever do that again. And I wish I would have paid attention to him because when I, when I took my, my written test, I actually set a record for like the worst test ever. I failed miserably. It was bad. But then I started thinking, hold on. I've got an aunt who works at the DMV, Auntie Esther. So I called Auntie Esther and I said, you know, I failed miserably. So she gives me a test to study. And I studied that test really, really well. Okay. And when I went in to take my test again, I saw her whisper to the lady. And then they actually gave me the test that I studied for. So yes, I cheated to get my license. It's a fact. That was the last time I took a test for DMV, by the way. So like, I still don't know the laws really well, to be honest with you. It's like red means stop, greens go. You know, yellow is like dealer's choice, like whatever you think is best. I don't know, go for it. So, I mean, it's, it's really who you know. And in fact, every, every uh, job I've ever gotten was from a relationship, you know. Uh, even here, I knew Pastor Moses very well, our executive pastor. We had served together at a church and we became buddies. And there was a trust there. So I eventually, uh, you know, it was the reason or the way I kind of came on board here. So it was all through relationships. However, relationships are very hard and they take a lot of work, work that a lot of times that we don't want to do because you have to go that 10%. Now, yes, there's a lot of benefits from having relationships, but sometimes you got to go to places you don't want to go to. Most often, more often than not, we don't want to go that last 10% with somebody. Because we like being liked. We like them liking us. And you got to go to that 10%. It's tough because when you got to go there, you might have to say something that they don't want to hear. You know, uh, you know have you ever been in a situation where you knew the person that's talking to you and is telling you something is wrong, but you're just going along with it because you like the way it makes you feel? You know, I'm going to go along with even this is Even though it's really your fault, I'm going to go along with it and make it sound like it's the other person's fault so that you continue to come to me, so that you continue to go to me for advice because that makes me feel good. So I'm going to even lie to you if I have to, to make me feel good. So it becomes about you and not helping the person. And so going that last 10% isn't easy. I'll give me an example of this. So I went to Cal State Fullerton and um, any Titans out there? All right. Woo. All right. All right. CSUF. All right. Woo. Okay. So I went to Cal State Fullerton and if you know Cal State Fullerton back in the nineties, when I went there, it was a place that all the fraternities and sororities hung out at. I know we have Sorority at uh, some sororities from Kelsey uh, Fullerton, but I was in a fraternity, and so we hung out at this a uh, little bar called Off Campus Pub. Anybody remember Off Campus Pub? Yeah, I used to go there to do uh, homework and stuff. Anyways, so I was I was at Off Off Campus Pub with my buddies, and we were out in the patio, and all of a sudden we see one of my buddies in there, and like you know, she, his girlfriend is just going off on him. She is just yelling, and like you could see her arms like wailing around, and he's just like, what, what? So we're like, oh my gosh, he's like, he's just getting beat up in there. So he comes out and he's like, I can't believe her, man. I cannot believe her. I cannot believe her. This is it. This, I think this is, what, this is what's going to be what's going to break us up. I'm like, dude, what happened? What happened? He's like, she freaked out on me for no reason. No reason. She just freaks out on me. I'm like, really? And I noticed he had a number in his hand. I'm like, why do you have her number? He goes, it's, a, it's another girl I met there at the bar. I got her number. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah, I got her I got her number, and she was, you know, I had a class with her. She's kind of cute, and whatever. But anyways, my girlfriend just freaks out at me because I get her number. What's the, and what I should have said at that moment was, you're being a weenie. What are you thinking? Your girlfriend's right there, and you're getting somebody's number. But that's not what I said. What did we say to him? Dude, you could do better. Oh, my gosh, she's so possessive. 
She, you could do so much better. She is so possessive and controlling. You could do so much better than her. We didn't want to tell him the truth because I liked the fact that he came to us because he was, we were getting him more like, yeah, you're right. And that was good. We felt like being good friends was really lying to him, telling him what he wants to hear. That's not, though. In fact, we do this sometimes as parents, you know. Uh, if your kid's acting up, well, it's, it's, those, it's those friends they're hanging out with. That's the problem. It's the friends, the friends that they're hanging out with. My kid's really good, but their friends are bad, and then that's why they're acting out. Or my kids aren't doing well in school, well, it's the teacher's fault. The teachers need to be doing better. It's all the teacher's fault, you know, and they start to blame the teachers or the principal or the district or whatever. And then, or, 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 you know, Johnny's bad or Susie's bad. It's because society's fault. Society is stacked up against us. So we keep making excuses and we don't want to go to, to, to that level. In fact, we should be honest with our kids. We love our kids. We should go there with our kids and say, hey, there's an issue here that we have to deal with. But a lot of times it's easier to get our kids to like us more if we go, it's their fault. And then they start going, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like mommy and daddy more now because they're cool because they're taking my side. No, taking their side is actually going that last 10% with them. I mean, do we have any teachers here? I'm sure you've heard this before, you know. Well, they do good at home. Well, they don't do that here, you know, and it's not my fault. So we, we, all, we constantly are allowing them to think that way. It's not, it's not helping them. It's hurting them. Now, we see this in the life of Nathan and David. Now, let me paint you a little picture for David. David is uh, he's a young guy who ends up slaying the giant with a, with a slingshot, right? And he's like, now he gets some notoriety, and he gets people starting to, to see that God's favor is clearly on him, and he ascends to be the king. He is now King David. But anybody knows that if you have a lot of authority, if you have a lot of influence, people are not going to be honest with you. They are going to tell you what you want to hear because you hold their security. You hold their, you hold their, their salary, their identity, their everything in, in, their, arm, in their hands. So they don't want to tell you, they just going to, want to tell you whatever you want to hear. They want to keep everything okay. So David really has a lot of yes men around him. But David starts to kind of go on a different path, and it's not good. Even though God says he's a man after my own heart, it's still not great. There's, there's some things that he starts to go off. He falls in love with a, with a married woman, Bathsheba, and has her husband killed just so, so he could be with her. And so he's clearly going this way, but nobody is going to talk to David because David is king. He's powerful. They don't want to mess with that. So God sends Nathan. Nathan is a prophet. Now, if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is someone that's speaking directly for God. And Nathan goes that last 10% with him. He goes there with him. And it says this here in 2 Samuel. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and he grew it up with him and, with, and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from, uh, from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man who... Uh, against the man and said to Nathan, surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a, a thing and had no pity. And then David said to, and then Nathan said to David, you, you are the man. You are the man. 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And he was saying is, you're the guy in this story, man, and you're blowing it. You are blowing it. Nobody's talking to David like that. He's the king. But he's saying, I'm sorry, bud. I love you too much and I care too much about you to tell you that everything's great when it's not. You're blowing it. You're messing up. He starts to, to understand and receive that, but not before he, uh, he suffers a punishment. Bathsheba and David had a child. And God took that child from them. David turned it around. He, he, he heeded Nathan's advice. He, he turned it around. He gave this to God. And God ended up, di- ended up blessing them with a son. Uh, God named him Jedidiah. They, Nathan, or David named him Solomon. In fact, it says here, it goes on, goes on to say in the, in the uh, passage here, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent a word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. So he had two names. God gave him a name, Jedidiah. And he named him Solomon. And there's a whole other uh, lineage for Solomon there that we don't have time to go into today. But the point is, is that he needed someone to go there with him. Because if David didn't turn it around, there was going to be a lot more pain and suffering that was going to follow that. Now, we need a healthy balance of that. We need, it, we need to make sure that you're not always going to be the one that's the downer. You're not a dictator. You're not supposed to try to tell somebody how to live their life. But at the same time, you don't always want to be their pal either. There's a healthy balance of both. Now. We need someone or someone's in our life to go there with us. We all have blind spots. All of us do. So we need to have people that we trust to go there with us and say, hey, you're, you're screwing up. You're, you're messing up. This is, not, this is not right. Now, right now, we live in a world that idealizes connection and demonizes correction. We live in a world that, demoni- that, that lo- we love connection. We just demonize correction. Let me give you an example of this. If you ever ask a kid, what is your favorite subject in school? They will say lunch or they will say recess. Why? Because they love the connection part. They love to play and hang out and have fun with their friends, but they don't like to be corrected. You know, do your work, you know, make sure you're reading, make sure your math is, they don't like that part. They don't like the correction part, but they love the connection part. Just give me what I want. Just give me what I want. Now, I know a lot of times people say, well, just give me the truth. Just, just tell me the truth. The reality is kind of like Jack and a few good men. We can't handle the truth. We don't like the truth. The truth often hurts. So we end up doing what? We end up lying to people. We end up telling them what they want to hear. You're going to see this played out heavily with politicians. Okay? Politicians, their job is to get you to vote for them. So they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear, whether they believe it or not. They're just going to tell you that. So that you vote for them. So, that, that they're, so they're going to go to whatever constituency they have, and they're going to say exactly what they want to hear so that they vote for them. And they're going to say, I am doing it for you. I am doing it for the American people. I am doing it. You're going to see all the politicians. I am doing this for you. When the reality is, they're benefiting from that. Have you ever seen a politician that goes to the Senate or the Congress or whatever, and their first year they have a salary? That's a nice salary. But if they're there for... 10, 20 years, they're making millions and millions of dollars. So they need that position to get all the things that they want. So they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. And I know sometimes it feels good to say, well, that politician cares about me a lot, or that politician cares about me a lot, but they're saying what you want to hear so that you vote for them. They're not telling you the truth. Can you imagine a politician going up going, I know what you want, but we just can't afford it. We're just broke. We have no money. No, they're going to say, sure, you could have anything you want. Just vote for me. Now, I don't want to pick on politicians because I think that's a little too uh, easy. But let, let's, 
let's pick on me. Let's pick on pastors. Okay, let's pick on pastors for a second. Because there's so many pastors that are doing such good work. I know pastors out there that are working a, a job selling shoes and they're having a service out of their garage on, on Sundays. I know some pastors that are just this giving it their all. But I also have seen a lot of pastors that are going to tell you what you want to hear so that they can grow their church. And that's how they're going to grow it. Yes, God's there, and we believe that God could do anything, but I'm going to tell you what you want to hear so you come to my church. And I've seen pastors do this. If it means changing the doctrine or changing scripture, I'll do it. If it means that, I'll do it. What's the society? What are the polls saying now? What do the people want to hear? Great, I'll give you that. Just come to my church. So they'll go to whatever direction you want to go just to grow a bigger church. I have seen a a very famous, prominent pastor says, you know, God is all love. And if God's all love, then you could literally uh, be a part of any religion and you're all going to go to heaven. That's not true. Sorry. God is love. Yes. But God says, you shall have no other gods but for me. It's just not true. So, so are people who say, well, you know, there's really not a hell. I have another very famous guy that super famous and, and, and really, really, you know, did some amazing stuff, but he said, there really isn't a hell, you know? Just God's all loving, so everybody's going to go to heaven. That sounds great, and he can get a lot of people to come to whatever he's doing, to listen to his podcast or his church or whatever, and he can grow a big name for himself, but it's just not true. Jesus himself says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and nobody enters the kingdom of God but through me. If you have seen me, you have seen my Father. There's no ambiguity there. There's no kind of, no. But pastors have put it on themselves to make up what they think people want to hear to grow a bigger church. And it's just a very dangerous game to play. Paul gives a serious warning about this. This isn't anything new, by the way, guys. People uh, have, from the beginning, have used the name of Jesus or the church to, to be well more well-known or wealthy or make people feel good. But it's, so this is, not, this is not new. Paul warns about this in 2 Timothy 4.3. He says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ear wants to hear. I will say whatever you want if you come to my church. We'll throw a cross up. We'll sing some Jesus songs. You're not going to know the difference as long as we keep growing. We, at the, as Christians, are going to be perceived as not polit- or politically correct or not saying what we're supposed to or whatever. But we are never going to change God's word just to please other people. We, we are here to please an audience of one. That is God. We're going to do it through love, but we're here to please the audience of one. And that's what we believe here. So how do we manage this in our own relationships? How do we get comfortable with uh, people giving us the truth? It starts at home. How you get comfortable with it? It starts at home. In order for children to become adults, they have to have strong relationships around them that help them learn to give and receive every shade of feedback well, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like we talked about, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's by your actions. We got to see it. Now, I'm most, open, I'm most open to being shown what I don't want to see by someone I'm convinced actually cares about me. It's very true. I'm most open to, to, to be open to criticism from somebody that I know really does care about me. You know, I, my parents, when I was 13 years old, my parents got divorced. And it was a very, very painful time for me. My mom pleaded with my dad, don't do this. The kids need you here. We need you here. And he was a good guy, but he just listened to some bad advice. 
And he said, no, I got to do this for my own happiness. So I've got to go. And we were just devastated. I mean, we were devastated. And of course I'm acting out. He's telling me to do something. I'm like, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. You know, you're, you're, you you don't even want to live here anymore. So I was acting out. So what does he do? He has somebody from his church, you know, and I wasn't a big fan of going to church, but he has someone from his church come and talk to me. And he was from the church. So I was supposed to listen to him because he was from the church. Okay. I don't know why I did that, but that's what, so, so I go over and I'm sitting down and this guy goes, okay, James, I am from, and he seems the church and he goes, and I have been a member there for 25 years. And I was like, okay, great. Good for you. And he goes, now, uh, I am here to tell you that you need to respect your parents and you, the Bible says to respect your parents. So you need to do what your dad is telling you to do. He just wants to be happy right now and you need to support him with that. He might find somebody else and you need to be okay with that. Your mom might find somebody else. You might be okay with that. And I just looked at him and I'm like, bro, you don't know squat about what I need because you have no idea who I am. And I can care less what church you're from. Even at 13 years old, I know that you're not, you're, what you're saying to me is contradicts what the Bible is saying. So I don't care what your title is. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. Here's what I do know. You have no idea who I am. And I don't believe that you care about me. So I'm not going to listen to you. I need to know that if people are going to speak into my life, I need to know that they, that they care about me. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, uh, you know can, can, you, uh, can you talk to my Aunt Betty? She hates church, and she, she just needs to talk to you because she hates church, and she lives in North Carolina or whatever, and, and can you just give her a call and tell her to go to church? No, I don't know Aunt Betty. She's not going to care about what I have to say either. We have no relationship. Or I've had people even tell, tell me, you know, like, uh, you know, can you talk to my kids? They're acting out, you know. If your kid wants to talk to me, yes, of course I will. But I'm not going to just say, you know, listen to your parents. They don't know who I am. There's no relationship. You have to have that relationship to go that last 10% with somebody. That's what we have to do. That's why one of the, the main reasons I love about being a part of a church family, when I'm up there teaching or when I'm up here teaching you, I will, be, I will expose my good, bad, and ugly. Um, it's not always easy. I'll share some embarrassing stuff, but I do that because I'm like, if I'm going to do that, maybe it'll invite you to do the same. And that's how we can get closer together. A week, I'll give it to you. You give it to me. We'll, we'll go there together. Now, once that relationship starts, we can go in those places. Because again, when you have somebody that you're in a relationship with, you're going to have some issues that aren't easy and you're going to need to deal with them. And it's okay to deal with them. Melanie and I have been married for 16 years. We've had issues. And if we just ignored them, they would become worse. But we love each other, so we go that last 10% with each other. She's told me that nobody else, tell me things that nobody else would tell me. And I've told her things nobody else would tell her. But we, we come together for that. Now, if you're, if you're wondering, well, I wish the Bible would talk about that. Well, I'm glad you asked, class, because it does. Here we go. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Isn't that novel? If you have an issue with somebody, actually go talk to them. Okay. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. If you work for the IRS, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, they're not literally, tax collectors aren't looked at fondly. But um, so, so what, is, what, is, what is all this saying? Okay, it's saying if you're not going to listen to each other, 
okay? If you're not going to listen to each other, somebody who cares about you, then bring some people that you know care about you. If you're not going to listen to them, go to the church family that loves you. If you're not going to listen to them, then you don't want help. You don't want help. You want to be a victim. You want people to tell you what you want to hear, but you don't want any help. Now, here's the point. We all find it easier to either connect or correct, but healthy relationships, they do require both. Some of us love the connection part, but I get it. It's hard to do the, the correcting. So maybe you could just do a little practice here, okay? So when you, when you go home, uh, you don't have to do it here, but if you're, if you're with a loved one, and just practice what it feels like to be honest, okay? So just practice. Even if they didn't do anything wrong, just practice it anyway. So grab their hand, a loved one, remember, and just say, I love you. I do, I love you. But right now you're acting like a giant turd and you need to knock it off. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. No. But really, the way you could actually get in that and comfortable with that is actually prayer, guys. Prayer. Okay? Now, let me tell you what I'm saying. Start to pray for that person first. Because when you pray for that person, you're going to get a heart that's going to be open to more of giving it, delivering it in a loving way. Also, if you're having an issue, invite people to pray for you. Okay? I am telling you right now, if you invite somebody in to pray for you, they are going to give you words that only come from God. God often talks to us through people. He talks to us through his word. He talks to us through, uh, through, through his, his word, for sure. But through prayer, through quiet time, but through people as well. He is using me to talk to you right now, but this is not exclusive to pastors. He could use you to talk to each other. That's why his church is so important. So when you start praying for somebody uh, that, that invited you into that, they're going to give you a verse. They're going to give you a word. They're going to give you something that God has given you to give to that person. It's incredibly important that we start with prayer. It's incredibly important. Save you a ton of problems in the long run. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says this, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Guys, again, that's why being a part of a church family is so important. And I I love that we're an online option. And for some of you who can't come to church here, I get it. That's great. And I'm glad we have that option. But that's not connecting really. It, it, us connecting is seeing each other, talking to each other, being in each other's lives. The church family is essential, guys. I'm an essential worker. This is the times where we get together and be able to share and pray and love and be in each other's lives. And that's why it's so important because we need each other. The world wants us separated and decentralized. God is saying, I put my church there for a reason. And I need my kids to be together so they can encourage each other and love each other. We are all here because someone cared enough about us to invite us to church. Maybe somebody sent you a a post or a blog or an event. You got invited to an event or whatever. But somebody invited you to church at some point. Now, what they are saying to you is, I care about you. I'll be honest with you. Inviting somebody to church is actually not easy for a lot of people. Because it's like, what if they don't like my church? What if they think I'm judgy? What what are they going to think of me? What if they say no? I don't want to handle that rejection. Or what am I bugging them? It's not easy. But when somebody invites you to church, it's, it's code for I care about you. I love you. My, my aunt, Evelyn, invited me to church about a dozen times, and I kept saying no. My aunt was very, very ill with, with bone cancer. She did not have a long time to live, and I was very close with her. Finally, I ex- accepted an invitation to go to church, and it changed my life. It was like the, literally the 13th or 14th time she asked me. Finally, she said, it's going to be before my Christmas present. I'm like, oh, fine. So I go to church with her, and it changed my life. I grew up being a, uh, knowing who Jesus was, but I didn't know that church could be a place where you could actually be honest. I thought you, everybody was like robotic and kind of like, you know, phony and whatever. And then I go, whoa, you can actually be on like yourself. 
This is awesome. I want to go there. I want to be a part of this. It changed my life. In fact, little side note, my aunt, um, one of her biggest things that uh, she wanted for me was to be baptized. And uh, she was too ill to attend. I got baptized. And when, when, we, when uh, we went into her room, when the, uh, her, she had passed away, my uncle pointed out there was a picture right next to her bed, and it was of my baptism. She never got to meet her grandchildren. She passed away before uh, three, uh, all, she has three grandchildren. She passed away uh, before they were born, Jake, Will, and Emma. When my, aunt, uh, when my aunt said, I want you to go to church with me, she invited me to church. She had no idea what was about to happen. You see, not only did I fall in love with the church, but God had called me eventually into full-time ministry. Even though she didn't meet her grandchildren here on this earth, I was the pastor that ended up baptizing the, her three grandchildren she never met here. Do you really think she knew that was going to happen when she was inviting me? God's just saying, just take a step and do it. Watch what I do with that. I'm God. I can do anything. Let me bless that. And we're too scared to even go there. What if they say no? I did say no. But look what happened. All of that. It goes on and on and on. Now, I eventually wound up in, uh, in, in full-time vocational ministry, which is a trip in itself to hold their story. But like, I was doing great in corporate America. I loved corporate America. I was making money in corporate America. <laughs> it was the good old days. And, um, and it was great. I loved it, right? And all of a sudden, I was like, you know, my friend was like, I've been praying for you. Again, praying. And so like, um, I, I really feel like you're called to come here. And I went on the team, and I was at a team in a very large church, and I had no clue what I was doing there. No clue. I was uh, put on the missions team, which if you know me, that's crazy. I've only been to Maui. So I'm like, I don't even know anything about missions. I don't know what you're talking about. So I get on this team. I have no idea what I'm doing. It was very confusing and frustrating. I was like, man, I went from this great gig. And now I'm like here and I don't know what I'm doing. But one thing I do love is people. And so I started just to work with people and it was getting noticed. And so eventually I was, had little promotions and I was uh, in charge of volunteers for local outreach. And I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. It was really, really cool. Because I loved working with people. I loved working with our community. I had a blast. And what, was, what I loved is I loved being loved. I loved that they loved me. I took them to coffee. I hung at lunch with them. I'd go to birthday parties. I loved what I did because I was always being loved. It felt great. And then one day, uh, our HR representative, Jan Sawyer, I'll never forget her. Love Jan. Um, she came to me and she said, James, I see, I see a pastor in you. I, I think you should be a pastor. I was like, no. She's like, why? I'm like, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. When the reality is, I hung out with pastors, okay? So I'm working at a church, and if you have a pastor badge on, I saw all the stuff they deal with, right? I like being liked, but that's not what pastors were getting. When the people were leaving church, they were looking for like the pastor badge and they would find one. They would go, the music is too loud. I, you know, why do you have to have the music so loud? Or, or my kid couldn't hear the thing and whatever. Or, you know, the church just wants my money. Or why do we have to tie 10%? Or the parking lot is too close to the whatever. Or somebody can get killed by the slippery steps. And I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. This sounds awful. This sounds like the worst job ever. This sounds like Walmart the day after Christmas. I don't want it. Just like, Give it to somebody else. I'm the one that likes to be liked. I like my job because I just get to be the fun one. Those guys have to deal with all the junk that, they have that goes along with it. So I'm just not called to be a pastor, okay? Well, that only works for so long. A good friend of mine, Mike, said, uh, James, I've been praying, 
And I really do feel you need to be a pastor. I feel like you, you know, I feel like you've got the, the, the gift set to do all that. And I was like, well, I don't think so. I haven't been called. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, I haven't been called. Because I'm using this like a get out of jail free card. And he goes, uh, he goes, okay, um, can I be honest with you? I'm like, sure, Mike. He's like, I see uh, in front of me uh, a talented young man, uh, a, a talented speaker, charisma, great with people, uh, cares, loves people, loves Jesus. I see all of that. I'm like, Mike, I love you too. This is great. I'm glad we had a chance to meet. He goes, don't go yet. You know what else I see? I was like, what? He said, I see a scared young man who's more interested in being liked than being a leader and following what God has for him. It's like, you jerk. Quick, somebody come tell me how bad he is and how good I am. Hurry, hurry. Be a good friend to me. Be a good friend to me and tell me I'm, I'm good and he's bad. And he goes, and then he gave me the kicker, which is like, ugh. He's like, have you prayed about it? I'm like, uh, sure, I've prayed before. No, have you prayed about this specifically? I was like, no. And uh, he's like, well, why don't you pray about it? I'm like, Mike, why do I want to pray about it? I don't want to be a pastor. I don't, I'm, I'm bad at school. And then I got to go to seminary. And, you know, I don't talk like pastors talk. And then, you know, I don't even like wearing pants, okay? I'm not, I don't think this is a good idea. And, and, and he's like, just, just, just pray about it. So I prayed about it, and, uh, and he prayed about it. And, and then that's really how I became uh, you know, went to seminary and did a whole thing like that. Now, I am so grateful for Mike, who literally called me out and said, hey, man, I'm not falling for this. You are lying to yourself. You're lying to God, and you're not doing what he's called you to do. And, and ministry is not just about being, having fun and letting people, you know, having have people like you and everything. It's hard. It's hard. And it's, it's all those things that you're worried about. Yeah, I get it. It's hard. But this is what you, if this is what you're called to do, you've got to follow through with it. Now, is it as hard as, as I thought it was going to be? Yeah, it's way harder. But is it the greatest thing that I've ever done? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is what I was born to do. When God made me, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this for my church, by the way, James. Not your church. It's mine. And I want you serving in my church. And this is the particular role I want you serving at in my church. All of us have a role, guys. This is not reserved. I mean, you know, we're the body. We're not a mouth. So we all are here to be part of the church. Every one of us here has a role. Now, again, like I mentioned before, there's a reason why I'm so honest with, with our church. And I'll be honest with you. is so that you could be honest back with me. So let me be honest with you. You are not here because God is playing some sort of a cosmic game with you. Okay, you're not here for just fluffiness. Yes, I love the joyful fellowship. That's my favorite part. I love that part. I'm a social dude, so I love it. You're here because, and I'm going to go this 10% with you, because God wanted you here to hear this. I have a job for you. And you and you and you and you and you and you. And you. I have a job for you, a specific job. It's not to be a spectator. It's not to watch on the sidelines. It's not to let somebody else do this. Because you have skills and gifts that I don't have and Chris doesn't have. And that's why you're here. When you were here, when you come in the church in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm tired, it's kind of rainy, I don't know if I should come. You are here because God wants you here and he wants you to hear this, that you are loved. You are gifted. You have stories I don't have. You have experience I don't have and Chris doesn't have. You have gifts and talents we don't have. We don't possess, but you have them. And you don't have them for your own benefit. You have them for the benefit of others. 
That's what a gift is, you guys. My gift set is not for me to make me more famous or popular or well-liked or whatever. It is for you. And your gift is for somebody else. And that, put all those gifts together and watch the church be the church. Right now, guys, we are in a very divided place. We are in a very dark world. Do you seriously think God's concerned? Like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I have no ideas. Guys, do you have any ideas? He says, no, I got my church, and they are going to be a light in a very dark world. And it's not going to be run by whoever's on stage. It's going to be my body being the hands and feet in this world. I do not subscribe to the idea that, well, it's all over now. Guys, we are just getting warmed up. This this, this, this unrest, all the craziness that's going on out there. Don't let it divide you. The church is a sleeping giant. And for years, it's been so easy. Just come to church and just hang out. It's been so easy. So we just got lazy about it. Do you know how hard it is to go to church right now? I mean, there's so many rules. Do you know what God can do with the people that are actually saying, I'm in it? By you being here, that's telling me I want to be here. You've already done the hard work. You're here when it's not always easy. And God has a huge role for you. He's got a big plan. I'm telling you right now, the church is a sleeping giant that's just now waking up. And it's an exciting place to be. And we could do that together. If anybody here has never asked Jesus in their heart, I'm going to say a prayer right now. You could do that. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're getting this message uh, on Wednesday at lunch or whatever. And you go, how do I start? Well, I'm going to say a prayer right now, simple prayer. And if you said, uh, if you, if you, if you say this prayer, let us know about it. And we would love to walk. I know Pastor Chris would love to walk you through this as well, Uh, but I'm going to say that prayer right now. And if you've never said it, just, you could do it right now. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.